0: Beloved, hear God call us to worship uh, this morning. This is from Matthew chapter 11. These words are from our Savior Jesus. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beloved, God's grace brings us to rest in Christ and what he has done, and Christ in his gentleness and in his kindness shows us the depth of our sin and shows us the depth of God's grace to us, and we are reminded as we come to this throne of grace that no one is so bad that we are beyond the reach of God's grace, and no one is so good that we aren't in constant need of that very same grace. And so we come and we acknowledge and confess our sin and our brokenness and receive God's grace to us in Jesus. So let's do that together this morning using our confession of sin. And I would invite you to say this along with me out loud. Let's confess together, beloved. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you created all things out of nothing by the power of your word. Being made in your image was our identity. We were created to center life around you. Life was worship, work, covenant, and rest. Life was beautiful, good, true. But we exchanged life for the lie that our lives are about self. Because of sin, We define ourselves by what we produce. Efficiency and achievement are the way to success. Because of sin, we often only see you as useful. We think our relationship with you is the best way to get what we want. Our sin goes deep down in our hearts. However, your grace is changing us. Your grace leads us in a better way. Your grace leads us to see our sin and the hope we have in Jesus. Jesus, your cross crucified our sin. It purchased forgiveness. Your resurrection means new life. It means restoration Father, for Jesus' sake, forgive us. Holy Spirit, convince us that life in Jesus is deeper than techniques for efficiency and achievement. Work in us wisdom to live thoughtfully in a broken world. All is gift. Amen. Now, let's take a few moments to quietly come before your God Um, And more specifically, confess uh, your sin and see his grace to you in Jesus. Gracious Heavenly Father, we confess all of these things in the hope of your mercy and grace to us, which is fully and finally seen in your one and only Son, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Beloved, hear God's assurance of his grace to you and to me, of his forgiveness to you and to me in Jesus. God gave us Jesus, who became wisdom for us, righteousness, sanctification, redemption by being. Our transgressions for us and healing us with his wounds. And it is through the blood of Jesus, beloved, that we are a forgiven people. Thanks be to our God. And so now let's declare our faith together. Let's declare the hope that we have in this life and in the life to come in our Savior Jesus. We're going to do that this morning using the Heidelberg Catechism. And so I will ask the question and then let's respond together. Beloved of Christ, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because we belong to Christ by his Holy Spirit, he assures us of eternal life and makes us wholeheartedly willing and ready From now on, to live for him. Beloved, we are a people who are defined by God's grace to us in Jesus.
1: Good morning. It's good to be with you again, even if it's still in this way. But I look forward to the day, as I tell you every week, when I'll be able to see you again. And we'll be able to worship in this place again. And we'll be able to take the Lord's Supper together and fellowship together. I look forward to that day so much. Uh, This morning we're continuing our series and we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. So you have the verses there that I've picked out for us to think about together today. And before I read those verses to you, I want to give you just a little bit of an introduction. Have you ever heard of a guy named Solomon? Uh, You might remember a few weeks ago when John Paul preached on uh, David and King David and God's relationship with David. Well, Solomon became king after David. And when Solomon became king, he asked the Lord for one thing in order to rule, in order to conduct himself as a king. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom. And God gave Solomon wisdom. So what we have in Proverbs is largely a collection of the writings of Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And so today we're going to think about wisdom. You might be wondering how does that fit into what we're doing this series, what we're doing in this series for the whole year. Well, it fits in like this: God created you, he created me in his image, and he simplified life into three things. He wants us to love him, love people, and love the place where we have put us. That's what life is about. Well, wisdom is how we live into those three loves. So that's the point this morning. I want you to understand how we live uh, by loving God, loving people, and loving place. We do that by understanding and becoming wise, understanding wisdom and becoming wise. So listen to these words from the book of Proverbs. This is God's word for us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, flow the springs of life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you would use your word to change us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have prayed for us thousands of years ago, that we would know you that we would be changed, that we would grow, that we would know truth. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would again and again make good on those prayers of Christ and bring the power of his death and the power of his resurrection into our lives. Make us more like our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to think about wisdom together. And remember, the point is this. Wisdom is how we live into the three loves. So today, we're going to think about uh, why, what, and requirements of wisdom. So let's start with the why. Why do we need wisdom? Why do we need it? Well, let's start here. If you would, imagine wisdom that I, for a moment, am a hundred years old. Imagine that I'm a hundred. If we were all to go back in time, the question of life, if I'm a hundred, was this. How in the world can I live in this world? How can I live in the world? And the answer to that question was wisdom. Now let's fast forward. Don't think that I'm 100 anymore. Imagine that I'm 5. Imagine that I'm 18. Imagine that I'm 44. The question of life for us now is this. How can I get the world to do what I want? How can I get the world to do what I want? How can I get people to do what I want? And the answer to that question is techniques methods. Whatever Barnes & Noble store that you go in, you'll find shelf after shelf after shelf of five steps to this and five steps to that. Here are seven steps on how to have inner peace. Here are five steps to financial freedom. Here are three steps to find your career and your passion. Friends, this has even infiltrated the church. There are all kinds of books out there about seven steps to discerning God's will. All these are are techniques and methods. Even if you think about what we value, we value knowledge. We value data. We value results. We value experts. We live in a time in which We hardly think about wisdom at all. A hundred years ago, it was so much more present on people's minds. Now, we just want an expert. We just want a technique. We just want a method to get what we want, to get the result that we want. So the first reason why we need wisdom is because for most of us, we don't even think about it. We don't think about having people in our lives that have wisdom. We don't think about wanting wisdom. We want experts in our lives. The second reason why we need wisdom is this. Just think about your everyday life. Most of us spend most of our days seemingly living just beyond the reach of the rules It seems like most of our lives are complicated by having to make decisions because we don't exactly know what to do because we just seem to be just beyond the rules of life. Now, yes, there are decisions that we make every day that are just based on knowledge. You know, those questions like, do I need gas in my car? Uh, What day are my bills supposed to be paid? What's on my schedule today? We have decisions that we make that are just based on knowledge. And we also make decisions every day that are revealing of our values. Like, how do we relate to our coworkers? How do we relate to our boss? How do we relate to those that report to us? Those kinds of answers that we give reveal our values. When we think about how do we spend our money, that reveals our values. Do we just spend our money on ourselves? Or do we value other things? Mm. But it seems like outside of just answering questions with knowledge or just thinking about the issues of life as revealing our values each day, it seems like most of our lives are just beyond the reach of the rules. So here we are, kind of stuck And every time when we feel that frustration, not knowing what to do, that is telling us that we need wisdom. We need wisdom. So that leads us to this. What is wisdom? What is it? I've gathered a few definitions of wisdom over the years. I'd like to share them with you. They're all good in their own way and helpful in different situations, So, let's just think about wisdom for a moment. What is it? Well, one definition is this. The ability to navigate reality. You know, reality. The things that are absolutely going to happen in life. Like, you know, death, jobs, relationships. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate reality. Wisdom is not ignoring something of reality. It's knowing how to navigate it. Another definition. Being able to grow no matter the circumstance. Wisdom is being able to grow no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. Here's another definition of wisdom. Wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. Here's another definition of wisdom. Knowing what to do, how to do it, and when. And here's the last one. I found this one this week. The last definition is this. Wisdom is going with the grain of the universe. Going with the grain of the universe. You see, wisdom is, it's not really a door It is a path. When you look at the verses we read in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 and Proverbs chapter 4, wisdom is a path. Wisdom is a journey. Wisdom is not like walking through a door. Wisdom is like a signpost. It's not a password. Wisdom is not like a tool, like a hammer or a table saw. Wisdom... Wisdom is much more than that. It's a guide. You see, as helpful as those definitions can be, and as much as they can kind of point us in a direction, why wisdom is so hard to define is because when you read the Scriptures, God actually tells us that wisdom is ultimately a person. So if you look back through the verses that we read together, you realize that wisdom has a voice. The father, wisdom, is calling out to the son to heed wise words and instruction. Wisdom has a voice. Wisdom assumes relationship. Ultimately, wisdom is a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. Even more than that, the cross, what Jesus actually accomplished, what he did with his life, The cross is God's wisdom. The Bible tells us that too. So oftentimes, we become so familiar perhaps with what Jesus has done through the cross that we just get bored with that message, the message of the gospel, the message of what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done for me. You see, we have to remember that, yes, Jesus lived for us, Jesus died for us as a substitute, that is all true. But oftentimes we've heard those things so much, they just become maybe so familiar and that they, they don't carry the power that they should carry. And maybe a way to get that gospel deeper into us and to understand more about wisdom is to understand more about Jesus. Maybe a way to get him deeper into us is not only continuing to think about what Jesus did in living for us and dying for us, but maybe we can also recognize that Jesus lived and died with us. He actually was in this world. He actually was breathing the same air that we breathe. And that means if you go back and read through the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, it means that you can think about his life and how his life connects so deeply with us. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus knows what it's like to be mistreated by people who should love him. Can you relate to that? I know I can Jesus knows what it is like for people to think that he was just useful, either because people thought that Jesus was the way to accomplish their agenda, or they saw that he had certain powers and abilities and wanted him to use those to entertain them. Jesus knows what it's like for people just to think that he was useful. Maybe some of you feel that way about your bosses at work. Maybe many of you work in situations where people just appreciate you because they just see that you are useful. Jesus can relate to that. Jesus also knows what it's like to agonize over the responsibilities of life. Jesus knows what it's like to be overwhelmed with the responsibilities of life. We see that in the garden when he was there praying to his father. Jesus knows what it's like to be sinned against, don't you? Jesus also knows the cost of forgiveness. He knows what it's like to absorb the consequences of wanting to forgive someone else. You see, Jesus can be trusted. We can literally give our lives to him. We can follow him. We can listen to him. We can receive what he says because he knows our life. He's lived it. It means that we can find our identity in him. It means that we can find purpose in him. It means that we can find meaning in him. It means that we can find life in him. Well, Here's the third thing. If we think about why we need wisdom and what wisdom is, the third thing I want to think with you about for a moment is this. The requirements to grow in wisdom. See, if you realize that every day that frustration that you feel because you don't know what to do is actually an indication that God is at work in your life, stirring you up to realize you need wisdom, not just knowledge or an expert to tell you what to do or to give you some type of new method or technique to manipulate things to get the result that you want. If you realize that wisdom is found in Jesus and that you can trust him and that we have to trust him day after day, circumstance after circumstance, then maybe we need to think together about the requirements for growing in wisdom. Now, there are two of these requirements, and they actually work simultaneously. So don't think you can pick one or the other. We need both of these. Here's the first requirement if you want to grow in wisdom. The first requirement is this, all of us, all the time, regularly, have to figure out what our heart is chasing. We have to figure out what our heart is chasing. And if you want to figure out what your heart is chasing, look at your fears. And when you look at your fears, realize that many times your fears indicate what your heart is really after what your heart is actually chasing. So, if you fear failure, if you are afraid of failing, then what your heart is actually chasing is approval. So that the times that you're paralyzed by the thought of failure, really what your heart is chasing is approval. You want approval so badly. If your heart Excuse me, if you fear chaos, if you are terrified of whatever seems to be like chaos in your life, that probably means that your heart is chasing control. And it's only when you feel like you have control that things are okay and that you're okay. Maybe you have a fear of being wrong. You know, when you look at your life, you realize. Yeah, I have a really hard time admitting that I'm wrong. If you've never thought about these, I would also encourage you to ask your friends, ask your spouse, ask those that are close with you to help you understand your fears. Because if your heart is really afraid of being wrong, what it means is that your heart is actually chasing being right. That the only time you actually feel comfortable and the only time your heart is at rest and the only time you feel like you're worth something is when you're right. And it feels like death to ever have to admit that you're wrong. What about this? Maybe you fear rest. Maybe the idea of rest is such a foreign concept to you that it just sounds like laziness. Well, if you fear rest the more than likely your heart is chasing productivity. So the more you produce, the more you feel at rest and the more you feel like you're worth something. Here's the final one I'll throw out there for you to think about and to wrestle with. Do you fear vulnerability? You know those moments in which you're in conversations with people and they ask you something? And you know what you really are thinking and really are feeling. And it's not just that you might wrestle with how to say something in an appropriate way. It's not that. It's that you really, really are afraid of being vulnerable. You're afraid of telling the truth. You're afraid of figuring out how to express what you're really thinking and feeling. If you're afraid of vulnerability... It's probably because your heart is chasing an image. You have this image of what you think you should be, and it's largely fake, but yet that image is what you feel like you have to constantly project and constantly protect and constantly build up. Therefore, you live a life where you're absolutely afraid of vulnerability, so you won't get close to people and have friends and deep relationships. You just live on the surface of everything. You see, all that fits into just thinking that life is about a new technique or method. Well, if you want to grow in wisdom, the first requirement is that you have to figure out what your heart is chasing. And the second is this. We must get the love of God deeper into our hearts. The love of God has to go deep into us. You see, God has to move from being a concept to the center of our lives. Most of us can answer questions that indicate that we know something of the truth. Most of us would say, yeah, I believe that God is love. Yes, I believe in the love of God. But that's just a concept. You'd answer the test right, but yet the love of God isn't in the center of your heart, my heart. You see, the love of God has to move from being a maxim to our operating system. It has to be the thing that generates and fuels us every day in every situation. We need the love of God to go deeper into us. And you see, it's when the love of God goes deeper into us that we understand and can identify our fears. And it's where we can begin to connect Christ, who is wisdom himself, to those fears and what he has done. We can't know the love of God apart from Jesus. And so how do we get him into us? Well, let me give you some ideas. These are things that I've tried over the years, the things that I think are taught in the scriptures, the things I have to constantly do, the things that John Paul helps me with, the things that the elders help me with, things that my friends help me with. Here are some ideas. Pray. You want to get the love of God deeper into your heart? You're willing to chase and figure out what your heart is chasing? Pray. And by that, don't think about some elaborate plan. Open up your Bible to a passage that you know. Think of a verse that you've learned before or heard. Or if you've never had a Bible or just gotten a Bible, ask someone to help you find a passage of Scripture that you can begin to build your life around. Read that passage and just pray it. Just take the words that are there and say them to God. And do that repetitiously. Pray God's words back to him. Work from that passage to other passages. Talk to God. Just tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him you're not sure what's going on. Just just talk to him almost every week my sermon prep begins with okay god what do you want me to say what do you want me to say i say that over and over throughout the day every day as i'm thinking through what to bring to you god's people every week just talk to him it's simple pray all right i've spent too much time on that i got to keep moving study the word study the bible What I mean by that is you can study the Bible in lots of wrong ways. You can look at the Bible as just techniques and and methods. You can turn the Bible into that, and that's not what it is at all. When I say study the Bible, I mean study the Bible in such a way that you know that whatever you're learning is focused on God, not what you're supposed to do, focus on God. And that means no matter what scripture passage you study, no matter what book of the Bible, you always have to get to the gospel. You always have to get to Jesus in the passage. And if you've learned a lot of rich doctrine through the years or learned how you think you should live through this passage or that, but you've never gotten to Jesus, never gotten to the gospel, you've missed the central part of any passage. Here's another Music. All of us have our favorite musicians. All of us like different genres of music. But listen to music that gets truth deep down into you. That affects you emotionally. That pierces your soul and your mind with truth. That gives you things to think about and meditate on. About, I don't know, several months ago, I heard this song that we've begun to learn here at church. Um, Yet not I, but Christ in me. The first line of that song is, What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. The first time I heard that phrase, I was overwhelmed. I never thought about the idea that heaven itself can give me nothing more than Jesus. Jesus. Listen to music that affects you and gets into you because those phrases and concepts will get the love of God into you. Have friends. Make friends. Develop your friendship. Develop community. What I'm saying is be involved in the church. The church is where God gets the love of God deeper into us. And he does that through our friendships and our community within his church. Yes, you can have friends outside the church. Wonderful. And many of them can help you spiritually. Absolutely. Just don't neglect the church and God's people because it's in the church that we have baptism. It's in the church that we have the Lord's Supper, and we get the love of God deeper into us through being baptized, watching baptisms, and improving on our baptisms, and reflecting what happens in our baptism as we watch someone else being baptized, and we get to take the supper. We get the love of God through the bread and the wine deeper into us. Get the love of God deeper into you. It has to go deeper. You see, what I'm saying in all this is really telling you what it means to fear the Lord. These phrases in in the verses that I read talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, I read this week that one man defined fearing the Lord in this way. That fearing God is life rearranging joy and awe at the greatness of God. Life rearranging joy and awe at the greatness of God. You see, when God's love goes deeper into us, we are in awe because it means that we get outside of ourselves and away from our techniques and we find out what we're really about at a heart level and we connect that to Christ. So I want to encourage you that growing wisdom is not some second tier uh, extra-Christian thing. Growing in wisdom is God's plan for you and for me. He wants us all to love him and love others and love the place where he has put us. And we do those, we live into those loves through becoming more and more wise, through becoming like Christ. Christ. Friends, that's what God desires and designs for us in the gospel. Pray with me. Thank you, Father, that you love us and that that is not just a concept. It is real. It is personal. It is found in Christ himself. And thank you that in Jesus we also understand wisdom, that he is your wisdom. So we pray that you would make us more like Christ Grow us in wisdom. Help us to be wary of techniques and methods. Help us to live by faith. Help us to follow you. Change us for your glory, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, as you do whatever you're going to do this afternoon and then try to figure out your job this week, and as you feel the tensions rising in your home through, you know, being together so much and realizing that, yeah, you know, you got issues, as you feel that tension each week, we feel it in, our, in the Osborne house every week, we need to live by God's blessing. Whether things are going great and everything is just fabulous, or whether things are really challenging and difficult, we need God's promises in our lives. So whatever goes on this week, try to live as if you actually believe God's promises are for you, because they are in Christ. So hear this. The Lord your God is a mighty God. He is in your midst and He will save you. This week, not only will He rejoice over you with loud singing, but He also will quiet you with His love. He will expose what your heart is chasing and He will be gracious to you. And the day is coming. The day is coming in which he will exult over his people with loud singing. He will do that because our Christ is alive. Amen. Go in his peace.